I'd totally fuck a reptilian. Oh, I love an abortion spa. Alien murder sex. Welcome to Alien Murder, murder Sex. Sex Halloween. Well, it's going to be Halloween after this comes out, but this is Halloween fucking weekend. Right It'll now. It'll be like, what, Day of the Dead when this comes out, yeah? Uh, Wednesday, yeah. Yeah. It will. All day after, day after. In any case... It'll still be nice and spoopy. And uh, I want to give a shout out to Audrey Mabry, who did my makeup. She's an FX artist. You should look her up on the Instagram. It looks sick. If you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple. Go to YouTube. Thank you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thank um, you. But also, listen again on YouTube and check out the special effects throat slit because it's just charming. It's wonderful. And She's I love a, it. at Audrey Mabry makeup. Great. Credit. Who the hell are you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm a person. My name is Lauren Petrie. I'm a comedian and podcaster in New York. Um, Great. Look me up at the Lauren Petrie on all of the shits, all of the all social of medias. The shits, all over the place. I am Adrian Cuss. Check me out. Facebook, Adrian M. Cuss. Give your hair a kiss. All the stuff and things and places. Ban bedpan fight. You know, do the things. We are joined today and we are super excited. The theme of today is wrestling. And we have Keith Greenberg with us. Hi. Keith Elliott Greenberg. Hi, Keith, Keith Elliott Greenberg. Greenberg. I love a man with three names. Well, glad to be here. I want to call you Papa Dukes, though, just because I know your son. I just want to be like, hi, Dad. Papa Dukes. Papa, Papa Dukes. Dukes. I don't think I've ever been called that before. Not even in bed? No, I've been called Poppy. <laughs> Poppy? But that's when I was in Puerto Rico. Oh, that hey. makes more sense. Here they just go, hey, I'm fucking here. <laughs> it's particularly in Queens. Mm. So thank you so much for joining us, Keith. Papa thank Dukes. Um, oh, just real quick, our sponsor is... Oh, we are very closely affiliated. If you're walking alone at night, remember to walk down Protection Avenue, where I don't have it... In my uh, hand. It's fine, but they give you an awesome keychain with a Cubiton and it's Which got you can use to break alarm. windshields, and I'm not saying you could use. So, like, hey, Protection anybody. Avenue. And you can get 10% off with our code AlienMurderSex666. Okay. We had to do Great. that. <laughs> Gio, love you, baby. <laughs> so, you just released a new book this month. I did. Uh, follow the Buzzards. Follow the Buzzards, Pro Wrestling in the Age of COVID-19. Pro Wrestling in the Age of 19. I think with all the things that were going on during the Pandarosa, it's like, <laughs> why didn't I think about wrestling? Like, well, But of course but there I, had to be well, underground wrestling going on. Well, I don't not think about wrestling. I've been watching wrestling since I've been three years old. Okay. Yeah, wrestling is, is, your, is your whole thing. It's one of my things, well, but it's a pretty things. big thing, yeah, though. It's a huge and thing. And I had just finished another book on indie wrestling. So when that book ended, I knew I had to write a sequel because there was basically a cliffhanger. There was a new promotion that had just started up that was uh, taking a lot of the indie guys, and I wanted to see what was going to happen in indie wrestling over the next year. And then COVID happened. Mm, right. So instead, that became pro wrestling in the age of COVID-19. And as I say in the book... It is the only book ever written to cover two WrestleManias, two Royal Rumbles, two Wrestle Kingdoms in Japan, and two U.S. presidential impeachments. Wow. Woo. I'll give that five golden dicks right off the bat. Yeah. That is wonderful. That is absolutely wonderful. You had another book I was reading on your... Um, 
wiki, pa- wiki on page. Your, on your wiki. When I was sleuthing you, I was lightly stalking you, Papa Dukes. Um, you had another book that didn't end up getting published. What, that was yes, the that, Iron that is, that's the Iron oh. Sheet book. Yeah. His roast I, cut into my time doing a set once. <laughs> really? Was, was that at Caroline's? Uh, I believe it was at Caroline's. This was a very long time ago. Yeah, I was there. Oh, my God. It was when I first came to the city. And I had a show. I was doing a show with Aaron Berg where we were going to joke about having been ex-strippers. And then the Iron Sheik roast like cut into our time and we didn't get to yeah, do it. Yeah, the Iron Sheik roast go on for a while. Yeah. But he's been taking a much more low-key uh, role lately. Uh, okay, so the story there is the Iron Sheik was a character on the Howard Stern show, mm-hmm. as many people remember. And WWE had an imprint with Simon & Schuster. So they asked me to do a book with the Iron Sheik. The problem was that at the time, the Iron Sheik had a crack problem. And it's so, always a problem yeah, so, when you have a crack problem. When is crack not a problem? <laughs> so when, when, when there isn't any crack. When, yeah, that's when, the when the book came out, the feeling was it's not really a redeeming book. Like the first version of the book ended with the Iron Sheik crying because his cable got disconnected and right. he couldn't watch the Olympics. So then a few years pass. I stay close to the Iron Sheik. I write an article for Playboy about the Iron Sheik. It talks about how he beaten drugs by this point and ECW Press which is my current publisher they said hey we'd like to do that Iron Sheik bio and so I did that book and then that also had to go through WWE and I was told someone very high up not Vince McMahon but Mm -hmm. someone else very high up it was Stephanie (laughs) (laughs) sure uh, somebody high up said there's all these drug stories in here there's all these stories about clothesline and groupies and how does this help our brand Mm. which i couldn't argue with so i got paid for the book twice no complaints no bitterness iron sheik got paid twice however the iron sheik was quite disappointed and recently i uh, appeared on a auto on up on an upcoming biography for a and e about the iron sheik and the producer told me he had a copy of the book. I said, how can how that be? How did you get it? And apparently there are clandestine advanced copies floating around. And when my last book came out, a fan contacted me and said he paid $700 for a copy of that book. I don't have the copy. Wow. And for 700 more, I'll sign it. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. what you should have said. That's what I should have said. <laughs> right. The, the question in the back of my head um, while, while I'm listening to this story is, what was the Iron Sheik like, number one drug of choice? Besides crack? Well, well uh, that was his most destructive drug. Right. Mm-hmm. I would say cocaine was the m- most destructive drug he yeah. took. Um, you know, when it came to, I mean, there were numerous times when the Iron Sheik failed drug tests when he was wrestling. Yeah. And there was one time when Vince McMahon apparently approached him and said, you know, you tested positive. And he went, ah, excellent. And he later said, well, you know, positive. You know, means not, good. Yeah, yeah he means thought, think positive. I'm AIDS positive, you guys. Right. Right. And, uh, you know, and then he had said, uh, there was another time when he was suspended and he went down a list of other wrestlers and he said, well, was this guy suspended? Was that guy suspended? Was that guy suspended? And Vince McMahon said, why? He said, they were with me. I was doing coke with them. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, you're not going to be able to have SmackDown because they were all doing coke with yeah, them. Yeah, off the mm-hmm. same girl. And you can interview her, too. Yeah, her tits, they still are numb. Like, talk to her. Right. 
she's not going to be able to feel her nipples for at least three weeks. Exactly. Well, I mean, party. this is quite a while back, so I would hope she could feel her nipples. Before. Now, yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> she's probably dead. Anyway. <laughs> Thank you for for being with Alien Murder Set and answering the hard committing questions. You know, okay, so I, I probably shouldn't even bring this up. The only my only like I'm not a wrestling fan, okay? I've never been um my only reference with wrestling is I was on casting networks for a while doing acting stuff and this like really uh low low grade back kind of not I don't know, backyard wrestling, but this guy contacted me in Jersey that was doing like all girl wrestling, but it's super like it's fetish but hidden as being yeah. wrestling. Um, apartment house wrestling that was once known as back in the yeah, 70s this yeah. guy is a complete douchebag I can't say more bad things about him I had a very negative experience with him but uh, did you do it I did do it for like two two sessions I got paid but like then I, I, I realized like what it what they were trying to get you to do after that right yeah yeah Well, I would say that that's or not. Then that's a bit different than the wrestling you would see on, you know, U.S. the USA Network or on Fox or oh yeah, of course, or or on TBS. Oh, of course, I know. But look, everything has a fetish. Yeah, and women fighting has always been a fetish to many men. And I would say that when women's wrestling was featured as garnish to the men's cards back in the day. They were trying to titillate. Yes, and you know there were midget matches, mm-hmm. and there were there were women's matches, which is, could be fun if, if it wasn't done by an asshole in a New Jersey apartment that stole Absolutely. my credit card. Absolutely. Yeah, he, he did yeah. steal your credit. He stole card my too. fucking credit card. This is the guy. This is the guy that stole your credit card. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So he got whatever he paid you. Oh, back he paid from you. He pay, I got him to pay me back. It's a long story. Cute. Cute. Totally cute. Cute. Love that. I love this total segue because we should since we are alien murder sex and I am super excited now thinking about porn 30 and um, the two that I just threw on the docket today um, but since we we're, we're gonna be mentioning <clears throat> Vince McMahon and mm-hmm. sex let's gloss over the scandal why don't we Which Ooh, that, that, I, I will what scandal gloss yes, over it please well, no, I don't, let's lightly gloss you guys I don't know so <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm not. A, I don't keep up with wrestling. I have no idea what you're referencing. So okay. So quick backstory. So I was like uh, a '90s wrestling kid. You okay. know, like I was in during like Hulkamania. Like my favorite wrestler is still Sting, and like the Who fact still that wrestles, he's, by the way. Yeah, he's still with AEW. Um, I saw him in Atlantic City. He didn't wrestle during that match. Jake the Snake was there. He pulled a move. It was. It was a really exciting, nostalgic, like, 90s time. And I love that about AEW. I loved seeing C- uh, uh, CM Punk wrestle. Um, it kind of has a little more draw for me right uh, the now only than, wrestler like, WWE. But, I know yeah. of really is, like, Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt who, and Bray Wyatt just came back. Who I've been shown, like, my, like oh, you'd love this guy. Bray Wyatt had left WWE, and now in the post-Vince McMahon era, he has been, he has been brought back. Ooh. Ooh, I love so that. what just happened with Vince? McMahon? Just you can just say quickly. Okay. Sex scandal. Okay. Vince McMahon retires. You got There's me like too. Million and millions of dollars mm-hmm. involved in this, okay. though. And okay. Vince McMahon is known as being like a psychopath, right? I wouldn't say that. Oh, okay. That's what I've heard. I'm just out, I'm out of the I'm out of the scene. You got to correct me when I say stuff that's wrong. Okay? I would call Vince McMahon a large personality. Okay. Yes, and you that would think that would that would be a way of saying it. He's some a, of that is is well, obviously it's wrestling. Like what you see on TV is a performative version of even of, himself. Sure, sure. He's a character. <clears throat> Do I think he's a ruthless businessman? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
But you don't think he has like no feelings? I don't think he has no feelings because or how empathy. many people have come in through his office, young wrestlers building careers, mm-hmm. you know, young athletes who he's helped build the careers of the like, sir, like the rock for, him, for instance for the rock mm-hmm. like like right. and who Stone doesn't Cold. love Dwayne Johnson right yeah. and I'm not gonna argue with you that he is because I don't know you know I right. don't know I don't I've just heard people talk shit that's all well you know what he's a prominent personality and a big personality and when you're in a business that has its roots in the carnival you're generally not going to receive praise for taking wrestling and making it an international juggernaut sure I get that. Okay. So he's an underdog in a sense, a very successful. Well, if, if you look at him as an underdog, I guess when it comes to the straight world's perception, he would be an underdog. Right. That's what, yeah. yeah. Not that I'm the straight world. I'm just out of wrestling. Yeah. Right. 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 No one, not, there's no law that says everybody has to watch wrestling. I, I don't necessarily understand why they don't. Right, right. But that's my perspective. I've did. I mean, once I when I was doing that back that backyard wrestling stuff, I started like watching some of the older stuff from the '90s that she was talking about, and it it was it did look fun. And I'm like, I missed out on all that as a kid. And some of it's fun. A lot of it's fun. Yeah. Now. And you know, you don't just have WWE and AEW. But first of all, WWE has become more fun, I think, uh, since Triple H has taken over creative. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, AEW is a blast. I I watch. AEW is so fun. You know, there's a bar in Brooklyn called DDT. I go there. If I'm in town, I go there every Wednesday Mm -hmm. and watch watch AEW Dynamite there. Nice. Nice. There was someone I'd met on Hinge, I think, and she was like, well, I'm only available on Wednesday night. It's like. Wednesday night, I watch wrestling. Sorry, that's not negotiable. <laughs> so if you're into that, come she, along. Well, she did come by. Oh, that's cool. And, and she lasted about 45 minutes. She was out. She was like, she I'm was done with this. gone. I'm done. <laughs> you're like, this won't last. She can't compete with Ruby Soho. Or there's a wrestler, Wardlow. There's this trans guy who hangs out. It's trans person. I shouldn't have misgendered. Who hangs out there, who pointed at the TV and We said, are not a politically said, correct podcast. It's Wardlow Wednesday. So, you know, how could anyone expect my attention to be elsewhere? Right. Mm, mm, mm. So so what happened was uh-huh. allegedly like, uh, you know, Vince had like paid upwards of like 14 million in hush money over sexual misconduct allegations mm-hmm. between like 2006 and 2022. So he like is no longer the CEO. He still has like voting power, but. I don't know how much. How much do you know about this, Keith? Um, not n- nothing that I would disclose, and I don't. Right, know, I, right. I, I, and I don't know a lot about it. Right, <laughs> good answer. I mean, you got to think like when I think of wrestling, though, I think like okay, it's kind of like theater, right? It's, yeah, it's it's it's, it's entertainment, yeah. right? So of course there has to be like showmances. Mm-hmm. You know, of course there's everybody sleeping with each other. And, right? and you're that... going to tell me that ice capades has never had scandal? Right, or the Olympics. or right. yeah, Well, I mean, Olympics, it, it, you know, that's well chronicled. Yeah, I mean, every sport, it's people. They're humans. People are going to fuck. It's just right, going to exactly. happen. I mean, you, you put them all in the same hotel. Yeah, shit's Put them in happen. the same hotel. You have alcohol. You have mm-hmm. stresses that come with the job. And, you know, if you're not a wrestling fan... You should be aware that these people are in pain constantly. Yeah, oh, I know right. that part. Yeah. And so, you know, you're in this universe where you can't really always connect with civilians because civilians don't do what you do. They don't understand. You know, they civilians don't get a chair cracked over their right. head. Whether or not it's showmanship or not, 
It fucking hurts to have a, sure. a chair cracked over your head. It hurts to be body. And this slammed. is why there's like problems with you know painkillers. There and have been in the past. And, yes, know, that kind of stuff. Yes. Of course, they're athletes. I mean, that happens right. to people. I mean, in what you would call legitimate right. sports, like we yes. said, the Olympics. Straight sports. Yes. Right. Straight sports. Yeah. Straight sports. I don't know. I so like hockey. Too, Triple so. H. He's the guy that China was with, right? Yeah. Uh, yes. And then, uh, then he. I. I just did another. A and E biography on China. That uh, I've been getting called lately, like to appear on these A and E biographies. That's awesome. And they call me nice. wrestling. No, WWE historian <laughs> is my Chiron, which I'm happy. We're to gonna take. call I you love that. that. Yeah. We, yeah. Yes. That's great. Yes. Papa Duke's wrestling Ring historian. historian. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, like, take me through, like, what's going on. Like, there was a scandal. And, so there like, was a scandal. Um, I guess Stephanie McMahon is like running. That's his daughter. She's, she's running the. She's the co CEO. And her husband, Triple H, because she's married she to Triple She married H. Triple H. And he is in charge of creative. And he has a great creative mind. Mm-hmm. I say in my book, her marrying Triple H was pro- maybe the best investment that the McMahon family ever made. Because a lot of the people, men and women, who you see on WWE now came up through the developmental program that Triple H has been overseeing for a long time. So he has created a stable of talent for the next generation or so. And there are, you know, hundreds of more behind them. Cool. Yeah. I mean, he was basically sexually harassing interns. Oh. Allegedly. Um, McMahon, allegedly. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Let's get past that. Yeah. I'm yeah. cool with that. I'm cool with that. Like, I just, <sighs> I love that wrestling is so sexy and there's like, I don't know. I just need to believe that there are more sexy, sexy scandals happening. You know, I don't know. It kind of thrills me a little more about the physical violence of it. Let's get, let's get into wrestling true crime. Do you know any? Uh, well, well, where do you want to go first? You take us on. I mean, ride. I see you have a picture of Bruiser Brody over here. Oh, let's talk about Bruiser Brody. Which is quite an interesting story. Um, you know, oh, yeah, I see you have Dino Bravo over there. Another person who was, if, uh, you know, was, I'm going to hand you this, Keith. Well, I, I don't Let's have my play glasses a game. on. Okay. Well, just go through pictures and tell me a story. Okay, so I'm looking at. We're going to play a picture game. Well, I see Dino Bravo and I see Tank Morgan. I don't know that scandal if there is one. I certainly know about Dino Bravo. Tell us the Dino Bravo story. Well, Dino Bravo apparently came from a, a mob family in Montreal. And so there were many layers to him from what I've been told. And I had heard, this is going back a while, that there was a cigarette smuggling scandal in oh, Canada. that's a popular and, thing in Canada. And yeah. that somehow he may have been connected to it. And he was home one, one day, sitting in his armchair, and a bullet went, was found in his head, which would indicate that someone he considered a friend came into the home. Is it a wrestling scandal or is it a mob story with a a personality who instead of working for the steamfitters union or the custodians union happened to be a professional wrestler? Yeah, that's interesting. That's so. Yeah. Is there much mob influence in the wrestling world? Not that I've seen. I am sure that look. I am sure that to, in Japan, it's it's chronicled. The Yakuza. Oh, gosh. The Yakuza's influence in Japan has been well chronicled. Oh, interesting. A, yeah, a, yeah. A, and, and the Yakuza was also involved in sumo. You yes. would assume, this you. you would assume that, 
when you're dealing with unions and you're dealing with big buildings, there would at some point have been some mob interactions. Right. But I will tell you as a uh, as someone who's been covering wrestling for close to 40 years, I it wasn't like you walk backstage and you could feel this mob vibe. It's not like if you walk into certain restaurants yeah. in, you know, South Brooklyn. Right. You're like, okay, right. These guys are smiling and nodding, but I don't want to get too. Close. I don't. I don't need to know anything. Right. I don't need put to me know. On the I never table had, on the other I never, side. I never had that kind of you know, feeling. Yeah. For, and I, I, you know, and I've been around wrestling a long time. Right. I'm not going to deny it ever occurred, mm-hmm. but it wasn't something that was blatant. What about not on the mafioso side, but what about like motorcycle club influences? Well, Hells the, Angels I mean, look like again, there were. Motorcycle uh, clubs, there were wrestlers who were in motorcycle clubs, you know, not guys who were very well known, but mm-hmm. there, there was certain there was a guy, there was an episode of Dark Side of the Ring about a wrestler who, who used to lose mainly called Johnny K-9, mm-hmm. who was part of a motorcycle, a notorious motorcycle club in Canada. Oh, wow. And I believe he went to prison for murder. So, you know, there's a... Legit. F- I wonder leg- if he's on my has-murdered list. Oh, let's go to the has-murdered list. Here are... I need some blood, Keith. I need some blood in my life right now. We're murdered. Here we go. Have We're killed. Murdered. Ooh, have killed list. Have killed list. Let's see. Who do we got? Brian McGee. What did Brian McGee do? Brian McGee. Brian McGee may not be a familiar name to wrestling fans. He competed in WWE's developmental territory, Florida Championship Wrestling, under the ring name D.T. Porter after signing with the company in 2010. He was released in 2012 without being called up to the main roster. Although McGee didn't make it to the top in the wrestling business, he did, however, make headlines when he brutally stabbed his ex-girlfriend to death. Dun, dun, dun. In 2013. So his ex-girlfriend. Yes. Yes. So I guess he... I, I that mean, was, still still but, but, that, but that was not a, a wrestling story. Again. But he did upload a picture of her bloody arms as his Facebook profile. Oh, um, that's... And that got him incredible. Yeah, well, you, good job. You, you just well, don't because do you're that. not showing contrition, and you know if you're his defense lawyer and you're trying to find mitigating circumstances, <laughs> yeah. you're you not going to find a lot you of. You just it. fucked it up. Social media, man, gets a hold on people. Who else? New Jack. Um, well, the what great Kali? What's a story that great Kali killed somebody? All right, great Kali is regarded as. M- by many as one of the worst wrestlers in WWE history. Unfortunately, well, he for was him. a police officer. Yeah. So yeah. yeah so go ahead. Um, <clears throat> he had it much worse in all pro wrestling. In 2001, APW wrestler Brian Ong died after receiving a flapjack from Kali. Ong, who previously had a concussion, was involved in a bout with the former WWE world champion and took two consecutive flapjacks, which landed him in the hospital. Well, it's it's a dangerous business. I, I, I'm sure there was no intent there. No. And I, I hadn't heard that story and before. And it doesn't even say anything about um, I don't think there time were any served time. or anything. No, it I says don't, there, look, there was been a guys lawsuit who, for damages. The, the million-dollar man Ted DiBiase's stepfather died in the ring. You know, Iron Mike DiBiase. Um, did he die in the ring or did he die in the dressing room after the match? I mean, he was a casualty. Okay. Um, 
who was the promoter in um, Gunkel. Bob Gunkel in Atlanta died in the dressing room after a match. Hmm. I mean, Dory Funk Sr. was at his ranch after a show and was apparently wrestling with some of the guys goofing around and ended up dying of a heart attack. I so, mean, I was it's, a, say, it's risky business. I was going to say, yeah. a lot of this is heart-related. When they just die in the, re- in the dressing room afterwards, it's yeah, heart, heart giving out. Or, you know, you don't know. Or I think in, in Gunkel's case, there was a blood clot that sure. became... Pulmonary embolism. So all this, like, you know, circulatory stuff, it makes sense with what you're doing to your body and probably, you know, drugs you take, you know, stuff like Red Bull even, just constantly, constantly, all that. Yeah, Yeah, they are athletes. They're hard on their bodies. And there's a steroid problem, right? I mean, Now, now I see this picture of Ox Baker. Now, Ox Baker was accused of, he actually played off of this. Um... Killing, I think, two separate people with a heart punch. I am not sure he actually killed them. I think that was how he hyped it. What does it say over Let's here? Let's see. Ox Baker killed not one but two people unintentionally. With his finisher, the heart punch. Yep, good memory. But I don't think he actually killed them. I, I think that... Look, they Back in the 70s, he used to boast... That he killed two people with his heart. Bar. He oh. did die in the locker room. Wait, he wait. died in the locker room. Who, after. Who was, was that okay. Torres? Yeah, yeah. See, see, I think Torres died a few days he later. Fly, they died later. Yes. They didn't die right yeah, then. This the wasn't scene. the Kill Bill walk like, away die say, moment. Right, right. Finger this wasn't punch. like a Bruce Lee moment. Mm-hmm. And and the thing was, and this was completely acceptable in the 1970s for him to go on TV and say, I killed two people with my heart punch. <laughs> that was publicity. That was publicity. Right, right. You know, um, and they did do an angle. I, I believe it was the IWA, which was a renegade promotion that started up in the mid-70s. And I believe they did an angle where he gave Ernie Ladd a heart punch. Ernie Ladd, former football player and a, a real... Like, even though he played a villain, was considered a, a, a pure um, a pure athlete and a, an African-American. And mm-hmm. he gave him a heart punch in front of a largely black audience, and there was a riot. Oh, jeez. Yeah. But d- d- he was okay, right? Yeah, yeah. It was, it was a it work. Was it, it was It was stage. He okay. didn't really. Yeah. If, if he had punched Ernie Ladd in the heart, Ernie Ladd would have stretched him. You'd still hear him screaming. <laughs> and, and, both, and both of them are dead now, and you'd still hear Ox right. Baker screaming. Mercy. And he had quite, a, quite an echoey voice. Wow. Um, can, can we talk about sensitive stuff? I mean, you can you? talk about it. I, 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 you know, that doesn't mean I'm going to answer your questions. No, I, don't, I, mean, I talk to me as you, if I'm a child that doesn't know these stories. Uh, you know, because I don't, I don't know a ton about this stuff. Right. So, I mean, for the audience that isn't a wrestling fan, like this is going to be interesting. Like, um, well, you mentioned um, earlier uh, contrition, signs of contrition. Yes, um, and that is because. I know where you're going. You want to talk about you want to talk about Chris Benoit. Yeah, I do. And there is a moment of contrition in this story because he opened Bibles and left them out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, actually, Chris Benoit, you know, comes up. And for those who don't know, uh, Chris Benoit killed his his wife and son, and his son was very young. I think Mm -hmm. he was about six years old, and. To some people who didn't know Chris Benoit or his wife, 
I I knew both of them and liked both of them. Okay. So hence, I'm not going to joke about it. We're not going to joke about it. But to people who um, don't know about this, it's ghoulish. It's titillating. And I understand why there'd be jokes about it. The Bible angle. It's Yeah. yeah. yeah, You know, but um, Chris Benoit, I believe it wasn't just, you know, performance enhancing drugs. It was not head injury. It wasn't just head injuries. I believe there was some legitimate mental illness there. Well, sure. And as you know, somebody in the wrestling business explained to me around that time was, you know, this is a crazy business with a lot of people who are unstable. No one else kills their family. Mm-hmm. No yeah. one else kills their child. Mm-hmm. So he was suffering from mental illness. I know his friends were having a hard time getting a hold of him. He was taking different routes back from the gym. He was paranoid. He was paranoid. I mean, that sounds like it could have been something like Louis body dementia, the way Robin Williams got really paranoid. Yeah, I mean, Um, I'm not sure what that was. But something was going on. You know, because of the way it ended Mm -hmm. and because he took the the lives of two people and his wife was in the wrestling business. Mm -hmm. So people were very close to that family. And that is something that people who were around at the time, and that includes myself, Sorry, still are having a hard time processing. Sure. I mean, you, it could have been related to head injury stuff because that it can could have been. exacberate it, look, mental illness. Look, you know? that doesn't it, mean that's the it one. No, no. He it's also, a, there's no one thing I think contributes. No, he also so it's has, a perfect storm of, of probably, you know. And he also had some close friends recently die. Yeah, so it probably sounds yeah, like a, yeah. everything at once hit yeah. the way that would. Yeah, concaved. Yeah. Right, right. It's We do talk a lot about, uh, you know, kids uh, here on the show we do talk we a do lot talk about a lot about kids but it's always like how do you get to that point how do you get to that point where you look at your child and and i can understand like, well moment? as as, as like, a father myself yeah. yeah i i will say certainly it's not a joy to it's not always a joy to sure. have children and you know my my oldest kid dylan mars greenberg is a brilliant filmmaker but Dylan was also a little kid who could be a pain in the ass. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, um, you know, there are certainly times when you want to escape your you life. strangle your kids. You know, and strangle your kids. And I think that's a, a human Thing. thought. The difference between thinking those things and, doing and it. acting on it's them, huge. it's the same difference between fantasizing yes. about murder in general. Every morning, I fantasize about murdering everybody on the L train. Right. Every fucking morning. And I, if you did it, I'm not gonna you'd do be a it. mass murderer. Yeah, I don't want to, you know, yeah. but if you don't have that impulse control, you're, you're Israel Keys. Exactly. Right. Who, like, planned it and did it on purpose. because and, and had murder kits buried all over yeah. the United States. He loved it. He it loved must it. be really good. It well, must feel look, awesome. I can to certainly... To build little look, kits? And yeah. To kill like that? I mean, and he, to plan it like He that. did it like, like it was... Anywhere he went, yeah. he had a murder kit. He did it like it was his full-time job. Right. He must have been exhausted. He also ran a contracting God, I wish business. he had a Fitbit. <laughs> yeah, I know. We wish he had a Fitbit so we could just... Like, all the dismemberment. He was yeah. in great shape. I mean, he was... Really good shape. He was working out, killing people and he had a family and he had his own business and he was traveling everywhere he had frequent flyer miles out the wazoo i mean this guy was a busy motherfucker he never i mean he was constantly killing like he was getting paid for it he should have been a hitman for the mob well but i guess he didn't want to work for (laughs) he didn't want to work he wanted to be his own boss yes he was an entrepreneur 
kind of. Yes. Be your own boss. <laughs> we'll do a whole episode on Israel. And if you happen to find yourself in the New York City area, <laughs> visit my website, give your hair a kiss, and book your hair appointment with me. Kiss. Sure. You can call me that. Um, and yeah, I'll do your hair at the kissing booth, and it'll be great. Great. Awesome. Cool. So, all right. Thing on the memoir thing. Since we're going back, so um, what do you mind going into any of the details of, of like the, you mentioned the Bible thing? Like I've heard a well, little about well, it. Well, there were, I, I've I mentioned Chris Benoit. I've mentioned him in both of my last books. Mm -hmm. You know, for a while there was an, an embargo on saying his name out loud. Oh wow! Um, but then you're denying history because sure. he did play a significant role in pro wrestling. That's like history. the gay community trying to deny talking about Jeffrey Dahmer. Right. And it's right. like, it's part of the history. And, and he was a WWE champion. He was a WCW champion. He was a champion in Japan. So he played a role and a very significant role and he was in great condition and he, and he was a mentor to people mm -hmm. and he was loved by people. And his wife, uh, Nancy, or woman as she was called, you know, she was a, a manager of some renown. And so you can't pretend that Chris Benoit didn't exist. Right. You can't pretend that this didn't happen, right. even though it's a very painful period. And, uh, you know, I don't know, you know, the details. It's just from what I've read. Right. I've. I've heard some ghoulish details, but I didn't know if you knew anything. I mean, that was other than other than what I read, no. And yeah. I, you know, and look, I yeah, I talked to people in the wrestling business at the time. I spoke to people in the wrestling business. You know, it's a it's a, a culture where people are with each other and they have nothing to do sometimes but tell stories. Right. right. And I remember, like, I was working at, at full time as a true crime producer at Fox News at that mm -hmm. point. And I remember watching the news and seeing these people come on and talk about Chris Benoit. And they I'm didn't like, even this know guy him. didn't know Chris Benoit, or maybe he was on the same show as Chris Benoit, he but he's really in absolutely him. no position to assess what was going on in this man's life. Right. And the ones who could were so shattered by the news you know, I don't even think they could gather it to gather themselves to talk about it. I mean, honestly, to me, like the Benoit story is like a almost a contemporary like they're not teenagers, but Romeo and Juliet story because you know Nancy and Chris's relationship was born out of a scripted. Yes, she was married to Kevin Sullivan. Yes, and then you know things happen, and things this happen. is not the first time in wrestling where. People got together and they made it into a storyline. In fact, this recurs every couple of years. There's a an on-air couple and one person strays. Sure. And then if, you know, if everyone's up for it, you turn that into a storyline. Sometimes it works better than others. Uh, but that was turned into a storyline. See? See? Sex scandal in wrestling. Yeah. Very important. And this one ties into... But is it a sex scandal no, it's if not you're a with really somebody and you start sleeping with somebody else? Is that so scandalous? I no. mean, stuff happens. Because it's so... Like, it's... Well, it's tell so us common. what it's you, pretty trite, so, really. Yeah, what yeah. what's some shit that has happened that you consider scandalous in the in the wrestling world that you would write you know salaciously about because it's just fun to talk about and it's crazy. That's a good. That's that's. Uh, I mean, look, the Iron Sheik has great stories, right? Would it but be you can't publish the book about it because they'll sue you. Well, I wouldn't publish the book because I've also been paid for it, and there, <laughs> and, and they're also 
bringing me on TV to talk about the sure. Aryan Sheik. But so, I mean, like, what's some shit that you think is really entertaining? I mean, you know, I mean, this is not really scandalous. It's one of my, It's this is an oft-told story about Hacksaw Jim Duggan and the Iron Sheik. I don't Ooh. know if you know this. Story. Yeah, no. But no, they were, me. you know, they were feuding. Uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan was the flag-waving, walking tall, all-American. Uh, and uh, the Iron Sheik was the Iranian villain. And he is legitimately Iranian. Uh, now, what wasn't mentioned, of course, was that he was uh, the assistant coach on the U.S. Olympic wrestling team twice, wow. but that would kind of kill that gimmick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he used to come to the ring wearing a flag, waving a flag of the Ayat- with the Ayatollah Khomeini's face yeah. on it. So he had a lot of heat. He from was being a heel. He was yeah. a great heel. I one time in Poughkeepsie, some fan jumped out of the stands and like tried to jump on the Iron Sheik, and he slugged the guy. And then without breaking character, he said to the security guard, now take this American piece of garbage and throw him into the street where he belongs. (laughs) So the Iron Sheik and Hacksaw Jim Duggan were supposed to do a show in Atlantic City. And I don't remember where they were. They might have even been in Newark. And uh, I believe the Iron Sheik needed a ride. So even though they were enemies... They got in the car together to sure. drive down to the show. Practical. And uh, which really you weren't supposed to do because even now. It ruins the facade. It ruins, it ru- it ruins right. the magic. Mm-hmm. If you're if there's going to be a lot of fans on the Garden State Parkway and th- they're like driving down to the show right. and they watch wrestling and they see the two of you sitting next to They should have just put masks on or something. And that would have been completely acceptable right. in wrestling. And they happen to be drinking beer. And smoking weed, and um, they were pulled, and and they they were pulled over, and all the parents are like, and when they were pulled over, the um, the the Iron Sheik had quite a bit of cocaine with him, and so now he's a solid guy. They he's a he he knows how to party. Yes, they, they get they get pulled over, and somehow. They get issued a desk summons or something. Desk summons, and they're allowed to to continue their trip. And go to the show. Wow, that so, is uh, what is that wrestling privilege or white privilege I, or Iranian I, well, privilege? Maybe. What kind of privilege what is privilege that? Privilege is this? That's celebrity privilege. That is celebrity. celebrity. Privilege. That's what that and, is. And so they get down to Atlantic City, and Hacksaw Jim Duggan calls his wife, and he tells her the whole story, and he goes, "But you know, we made it to the show, and you know, no one said anything to us at the show, so." I don't think anyone's going to find out. And the next morning, and this is before cell phones, Mm -hmm. so the next morning, Hacksaw Jim Duggan's wife calls him from Louisiana, and she goes, it's page one of the newspapers down here. Mm -hmm. So uh, Vince McMahon asks Hacksaw Jim Duggan to call his office, and he, he says, usually you wait for Vince McMahon. Vince picks up right away. It's like, you embarrass the company. Because back then... It wasn't even acknowledged that these matches were predetermined. I know everyone didn't know that it was just showbiz. I, I mean, yeah, yeah. People assumed it, but, but nobody... this was a real. I mean, the old school promoters believed that if people knew that it was showmanship, it would kill the business, which it didn't. This is like alien disclosure, right? right. They think that if we know, if, <laughs> that right. if we know, society will fall apart. Yeah, oh, no. Everything will Wrestling fall apart. Wrestling has a script. Oh my oh, god! god. So, Blow up the. So, so Vince McMahon gets up in front of, you know, all the talent 
and he says, these two men embarrassed WWE, then was WWF, and will never work for this company again. They were both brought back eventually. Yeah. Particularly. They had to make a show of it. It's politics. Yeah, it was Absolutely. politics. You know, temper, tempers calmed. Um, you know, they both had a certain amount of value. And I believe Vince McMahon had a legitimate soft spot for the Iron Sheik. I think he found him very amusing and enjoyed being around him. I mean, and he always brought Coke. Uh, I don't think that was it. He was a, he was a very entertaining. You don't fellow. think Vince McMahon did Coke? Uh, he says he has in interviews. So yeah, he partied. Yeah, partied. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, what does steroids and Coke feel like? When you like mix them in like, I, I, like... I, I've never done both. At, I've never done steroids, so I I can say I've never done both at the same time. I mean, but I've actually never done steroids. I've I mean, when I was young and stupid, I shot cocaine, and that was great. But imagine if you had like like human growth hormone with it. You're just like oh, I'm invincible, and, and you're you're in a profession where, where you want to be big yeah, and strong, and that's encouraged. I mean, look, when I used Woo! to, I can remember like being coked up. And talking to this group of people and thinking I was the most brilliant oh, man yeah. in the world. Oh, you are, that's cocaine. Oh, yeah. yeah. You think you're, I'm going to go ruin all of these couples' conversations right now, like a pinball machine at this party? Whatever I, I have, have to say, say is, is amazing. more important. It's amazing. It's so wait, wait. important. Like I was saying, like I was saying, the best album that Muse ever did was blah blah blah. And you're just talking about this bullshit that nobody cares about because cocaine. That's <laughs> right. cocaine. Right. It's like the, let's ruin everybody's and, night and, drug. And, and a, a buddy of mine. Uh, did cocaine when he was older. He hadn't done coke in like 20 years. Uh-huh. And we were at a party and some people were doing coke and he did coke like in the kitchen. And he thought it was going to be this great experience. Like he was going to relive part of his child, yeah. part of his youth. And instead, what did he do? He sat in the fucking kitchen until 7 a.m. looking at albums oh and babbling God. about music. Yeah. It does yeah. that too. Typical coke. I just want to say now for anyone doing it, when I was in the morgue, every single OD had fentanyl and every single, all the coke has fentanyl in it. Stop please doing the coke. Just get to fentanyl testing strips if you can't stop off Amazon and please just test your just coke. Just test your coke. Test your but coke. stop doing coke. You're not even doing coke. You're just doing fentanyl. Doing yeah. It's not fentanyl. sexy. It's fentanyl It's not meth. cool. You're not a neat rock star. You don't like... It's not boogie nights. Stop it. <laughs> you don't look cool when you yeah. do it. Like yeah. we all know no, you, you don't can't look cool keep when your you're dick up. So stop it. Yeah. Stop it. Stop dying. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. There's I mean, some people I wish had come through the morgue that I know did coke. And I kept wishing that I would. Why is it all these like young, beautiful 24 year olds that like had a life ahead of them? Why can't we get my ex-boyfriend that does coke? I'll do his fucking autopsy. Bring Ooh. him in. That's how I felt. Anyway, uh, were you just waiting every day for <laughs> oh, an ex I was like, to I, roll through I was the like, door? I knew how much coke he was doing. I'm like, what? Fuck yeah, but, was, but, but were you, was the morgue anyway? We're near to the yes, places where he it was exactly. It was. It was just, like across the street. It was <laughs> right. He, he lived upstairs. Yeah, yeah. it was. It was. It was it, he lived in Chelsea, and the morgue is right there. It's close. So yeah. the morgue that morgue also services the Bronx. So it's the whole island of Manhattan. Wow. But what that must be a very doing... busy morgue. Oh my god! It was like a restaurant. <laughs> Bodies on, bodies off. Bodies on, bodies off. You sew that body up. You're not moving fast enough. Spray you know, that body. You know, to, get I, another I, body out the freezer. Since, since we're yes. talking about dead bodies <laughs> and 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 morgues and that type of thing, when I was um, a teenager, there was a guy in my neighborhood in Queens who was a substance abuser named 
I don't. I think this was his name. We, we call him Jimmy James Costello. Mm-hmm. What's his James name? Costello. Was, was his name Jimmy James? It's Maybe great. it was just James Costello. And Jimmy somehow, James. But Jimmy James sounded like a good name. Yeah. And he claimed when he was in jail for something that they had to bury bod- bodies at Potter's Field. Yeah, they'd still yeah. do that. But he claimed that if there was, like, a hot-looking girl, because, like, as if you'd find one, mm-hmm. they would fuck the body. What? And I don't... Be- I mean... I believe it. I believe it. Do, do you believe it? Well, but, that, but, but like- I mean, if you're burying bodies at Potter's Field, mm-hmm. wouldn't those bodies already be in boxes? So here's how that works. Now, I don't know how it worked in the 70s. Yeah. So maybe it was more likely back then that that would happen. Right. I know now. And maybe it was a story. Maybe it was a story. Right. And now it's all very regulated. I don't have any corpse fucking stories. There's cameras everywhere. Everyone right. has a cell phone. But they just put them in. We would nail. We would build the wooden boxes and they just put right. them in a wooden yeah, box. So and- it's not like the, the inmates are saying, hey, let's open this one up. I, I'm feeling lucky. I'm feeling lucky. <laughs> well, are they labeled? Are your boxes labeled? Uh, what they have is a number. So every corpse, it's like a social security number. So they just have a number on it. And you'd have to look that number up in today in the computer and see who, who it was associated with. So I don't know. I don't know. Maybe in the old days, maybe they just put their name on it. I don't know what it was like in the 70s. Right, but how would you even know to look? I mean, I'm sure. Oh, is was... that Janice from the block? Yeah, maybe I remember they Janice. Also had to put the bodies in the boxes. Maybe they, yeah, maybe they were doing labor. Maybe that was some of the. Work yeah, they I were think. Doing. I th- no, I don't think they were putting the. Bo- they were just burying the bodies. I was 14 years old. He was like 20 years old. And he old. was bragging to you about fucking corpses. Yes, he was. Jimmy James, and that's the straight coolest. up out here being like, there was I had the gu- coldest bitch in Potter's Field. <laughs> there was another guy. And then who, what kind of guy is bragging to a 14-year-old kid, like, I fucked a fucking dead I bitch, yo. Dead <laughs> Look how cool I am. Like, what are these? I was impressed. <laughs> you were 14. Of yeah. course you were. Yeah, I'm still talking about well, it. Well, yep. Made an yeah. impression. And he's no longer around, no, so he... his legacy lives his... on. <laughs> Jimmy James Costello. <laughs> Costello, it was Costello. Costello, yeah. Like, like, Jimmy like, James like Costello, Costello fucking corpses. <laughs> yep. Perfect. Oh. And I love it. And everything is great in my universe. I want to wow. Um yeah. Do you think I you think I can stay on a little longer? Seven I think what what is once the t- yeah, no, you'll totally okay. get back into you'll get back in time. She was gonna lead up uh, I was gonna leave you guys early because I have like two other show commitments tonight, but right. Oh, yeah. Wait, when does this episode drop? Oh, okay. Let's do some shameless shit. My band, Bedpan Fight, The Kingsland, November sixth. Get your ass over there. I'll post the bands we're playing with our tag of Fly or something. Yeah, check out our Instagram, which is Alien Murder Sex. At you, Alien Murder Sex. Yeah, Super you can easy. find us on everything at Alien Murder Sex, except for Twitter, which is at Murder underscore Alien. At Murder underscore Alien. Awesome. And if you're on our Patreon, hi, thank you, thank you, love you. We'll make porn for you. Well, eventually, when we have a bigger audience. Yes. <laughs> I yeah. just redid my lighting rig. I will make porn for you. Yeah. I'm gonna leave that vague. And open ended. So uh, I'm at the Lauren Petrie, and it's that on all of the bullshits. And uh, I'm at I'm doing live from outer space tonight. But you, it's this is coming out on Wednesday, so who cares? So and, view from yeah, the past. View from the past. Uh, we're having Ariel Isaac Norman on next oh, week. Ariel Isaac Norman, who yes. is awesome, and she's an amazing comedian. And um, yeah, I've got a bunch of shows this weekend, but you know this comes out on Wednesday. Oh, Funhouse Funhouse Comedy at Pete's Candy Store at 10 p.m. on Wednesday the second. And God damn it, <laughs> check out Keith Elliott Greenberg's book, Follow the Buzzards. 
Pro Wrestling in the Age of COVID-19. It's a fantastic God, I title. I can't believe I missed out on like going to underground wrestling shows during COVID-19. Yeah, there, there was some... I mean, the book talks that. about that. Talk about the underground there, there, There's scene. a guy in San Diego, Dirty Ron McDonald, who is also a, a stand-up guy. Mm-hmm. And um, meaning stand-up comedian, not I get it. stand-up guy. Right, I got gotcha. you. Right. Yeah, you know Dirty Ron. He's a stand-up guy. (laughs) And uh, and he would do these drive-in shows, but he was so secretive about it because he was afraid of being busted. This was when everything was locked down, that you would be instructed to drive to location, and then he had an FM transmitter, and he'd tell everyone where to go from there. Oh, that's so cool. And then you'd go behind like a boarded-up supermarket, and there'd be a ring set up. So this is recently. This, this is, was during COVID. This is yeah. 2020. The, the, I mean, these yeah. were the things like, okay, the big companies continued to produce content every week um, for reasons that you'll have to ask Ron DeSantis uh, WWE was uh, labeled an essential business in Florida. That is hilarious. And so, uh, <laughs> you know, they, they continued to, um, they didn't uh, do live. They did it from the performance center, mm-hmm. which was very weird. Because I saw like the fans were on video. Like, that was later it? on. Okay. As they were figuring out. I mean, this was trial and error. Mm-hmm. First of all, at the beginning, nobody knew how long this thing was going to last. And then AEW, the rival promotion, started putting wrestlers in the audience and spreading them out. And they also, the owner owns an amphitheater, so it was partially outdoors. And that wasn't bad. It it was almost like an old-fashioned studio wrestling vibe where a wrestling show would be shot in a television studio. And then WWE tried a few things, and ultimately they had a thing called the Thunderdome, which were about... A thousand large screens surrounding the ring in, in layers. I did see that. And if you were, you know, and, and people paid to be uh, be on mm-hmm. the Thunderdome. And if you were particularly enthusiastic, you got moved up near the front. Mm-hmm. And there were there were some incidents that were unfortunate, including, since we discussed him earlier, someone holding up an image of Chris Benoit. Oh, wow. So... Uh, why would they do that? They're just like to, to be an asshole. Okay, they you weren't know. like trying to pay homage. No, right? they were trying to they were trying to fuck up the broadcast. They were just trolling. And right. so, uh, you know, hence, you know, th- there was some decree that this person will never be allowed into any WWE event for the rest of his life. I don't know how you enforce that. Yeah, but uh, he's on he's on a list somewhere. Facial recognition. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean we're getting there. We're getting. They're just gonna scan our mm-hmm. faces. You can already shows. do that to board planes. They have a complete. It's called bio something. They just scan your face and you 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 register for it and that's you just show up, show them your face and they say thank you very much and you go ahead. No, I mean yes, that, it no. already exists. No, it already exists. You know, <laughs> I, I was just in Europe. And I, I was boarding a plane, I think, from London to Dublin, and I believe they scanned my eyes. They, they, they must have had a record of my eyes Retin- from somewhere. Retinal scans or something Which like I just that. realized, you know, I, ne- I, I was trying to renew my global entry, and it never came. I need to... I need to talk to someone about Everybody that. go check on your travel documents <laughs> right now. We'll wait. We'll be here. No, we're not. We're going to watch porn. Yeah, they have porn. that here. It's called Clear, where they scan your retinas. Is that what yeah. that is? Yeah, it's like Minority Report. 
Thank you. So, you know, they've already grown baby lambs in artificial wombs. They've already fucking cloned pigs and sheep. And what's the stuff they're doing they're not telling us about? Um, we're already living in the future. They're just they're just doling it out slowly to the masses. But what they don't talk about, they have it all. Like it's dystopia now, baby. Dystopia now. They're, they're... There's also a wrestling farm where they breed. Re- no. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's in Canada with Ben. What was his name? Uh, Johnny K Nine. Uh, no, the heart. What's the heart? Oh no, the heart. Uh, yeah, oh, uh, Brett Hitman Hart. Brett the Hitman Hart family. Yeah, they they're yeah. breeding wrestlers, yeah. right? Yeah. They don't, they don't have to have a, a farm. They, they just do it anyway. They got some potent sperm up what there. What was it? Jesse Ven- Ventura had the the conspiracy oh, show. Oh yeah, yeah. Right. Like I wonder if he did a segment on that. I'm like, sure he did. They're growing wrestlers. They're it's growing. like a cabbage patch. <laughs> um, uh, there was a great comedian that did an incredible uh, impersonation of him. I can't think of his name right now, but um, yeah. Anyway, like Jesse Ventura. Yeah, it was it was hilarious. He did all these uh, sketches about him running for president and about his conspiracy stuff. Like we have the documents, and it was really funny. Do you have any anecdotes about Jesse Ventura? Yes, I, I had a good rapport with Jesse. In fact, when um, I, I I wrote for the WWE's magazine for twenty two years. Oh wow, and um. Jesse had a column there, and at first, I would call Jesse once a month, and we would talk about what he wanted to say in his column. And then, eventually, he said, ah, you kind of get me. You know, if there's, you know, if you want to know my opinion on one thing or another, just run it by me, but you write the column, you know, you, you kind of know where I'm at. Yeah. But sometimes I'd say, what do you think about this? He'd go off for, you know... 10 minutes or so, and then go, okay, I think I can write the comedy. I, I really liked him a lot. The, the comedian that did the impression was James Adomian, but I, I always loved Jesse, like, on his show. What, I mean, I will like, say this, and I th- this is something that really impressed me about him. I remember we were at a wrestling show in Baltimore. Afterwards, I end up in a Denny's, and Jesse is sitting all by himself in an area, like a ca- part of the counter, but it's roped off mm-hmm. because... They don't want fans. It's bothering. VIP at Denny's. V- VIP, VIP at, at Denny's. Denny's. Yes. And I'm just thinking like the best fights happen at Denny's. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, Jesse Ventura's at a fucking Denny's. Let's and, and, go. And, and I remember he waves me over and he's reading the newspaper and he goes, look at this. Whatever year it was, 1986. And they still have a sodomy law on the books in Georgia. So this was the kind of thing he was that, thinking that he was thinking about. We still had that law, I think. And I, I say we. I don't have that law. <laughs> um, but, in, you know, because, you know, being a, a sexual deviant as a teenager in Georgia, um, I don't think they lifted that law. I think it still exists. There's, I, it might actually still exist. It either got lifted in 2014 or it still exists. There's also states that still don't have laws against bestiality. Right. They're anti-gay marriage, you can, but you can fuck a horse. You can fuck your horse. You can marry what if it's your a gay year old niece cousin. Definitely not okay. Not okay. <laughs> that goes against the Bible. Yeah. That's a Mr. Hand <laughs> shit. Yeah. <laughs> you take that to Seattle. <laughs> But let's take it back to the ring. Frank, may I have some uh, wrestling-inspired pornography, please? (laughs) This is how you get to know your friend's fathers. Hey, (laughs) hey, Papa Dukes, do you want to watch porn? (laughs) Yeah, uh, where's the wrestling pornography? It's coming. Oh, man. Okay. Oh, okay, we've got lesbian. I went with this one because I was like, lesbians, we got a strap on. 
God, this is so backyard wrestling. Oh my God. Backyard wrestling Amateur as fuck. She's really mean. She just put her whole ass thumb in there. There we go. I hope she they loop that up mean. beforehand. Jeez. She is so mean. I'm not into that. Like, that I was a lot. I wouldn't be into this that. This is moving very quickly. I hope that they're friends outside of well, this. Well, I would say that we're not coming in at the beginning. No, of course not. So you say this is moving very quickly. Well, yeah, this might be... have been a part. Is that her ass or her vagina? I think Where it's her we? ass. Is it her ass? I think. We are doing anal. I want it to be her ass. In a ring with a strap on. Is that... Is this a, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Um, certified ring? Uh, <laughs> it, it, looks like, this... it looks like a legitimate ring that people train in, unless it's a boxing ring. It might Although, be a how many ring. ropes are there? Oh, we have to wait for a different shot. No, it is her vagina. Okay, good for her. Well, that was that one. That was quick and fast, and so much just happened. I feel like she was I very wish brutal. I could like do a slow motion replay and like <laughs> circle on the chalkboard there and like sports fan the fuck out of this. That was a lot. Really, really quick. fast. Her highlights were awful. For yeah, one. the hair was not good. I just hope, like I said, that they're friends outside of this, and like, oh, well, I feel like I don't know enough enough about their characters. As I don't think they had characters. Wrestlers. That's super amateur. They didn't set that up right, with a plot. Right. As as they say in wrestling, that's very indie. Mm. It's very indie. You used to write porn. Yes, I did. So, like, when you wrote porn, what, what were some things you would think about before? You know, I mean, I was a fucking nineteen year old kid. <laughs> I, I I used to make a list because uh-huh. I used to have to write letters, and so. You know, I'd come, I come. I I used to go into an office. I used to work at Cherry Magazine. I would Cherry. Go, I would go in in the morning, and I would make a list of like different. You know, B and D, S and M. You uh, had to go into the office for this. That's such a remote job. I now. mean, I could have <laughs> right. done it from home, but I enjoyed coming okay. into the office. To Cherry, and and I'd I, I'd have a list of different topics. You know, threesomes, anal, mm-hmm. and I I. I'd, Go down the list. I'd start writing the letters. I'd have a radio. You know, I'd be listening to the radio because there wasn't an internet then. And usually by like, if I even fucking off and talking to other people, I'd usually be done by 1, one thirty in the afternoon. And then I'd freelance and write about other stuff like wrestling. That's I fucking love so that. In fact, I remember I once even incorporated... I made a wrestling reference. It was a porn letter that I wrote. And I wrote like, you know, so I was trying to get my husband's attention, but he was busy watching the Road Warriors on TBS. (laughs) (laughs) So I had to suck his dick extra hard. Just extra, extra hard. And sometimes we would write comments back as if like editorial comments. I remember there was a guy who's since deceased, Kenny Moses, and he was bored and he wrote a, a letter about a guy who gets off on finding used condoms and chewing. Oh, and then, wow. he, and, and then <laughs> he wrote an editorial response. Maybe you should move into a condom minium. Uh-huh. 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 70s. I, would, I mean, was it This is the 70s, right? For uh, this would be the, the late 70s. Okay. Yeah. What was Times Square like? Did you go it there? It was great. <laughs> That is the quickest answer I've ever heard from anybody that lived through it. Usually you hear, like, it was so dangerous and all these women were being exploited. Like, it was fucking great. It was fucking great. great. Can you you tell me more about it? I mean, you know. Like, from your experience. Well, okay, I used to wander around Times Square when I was a teenager. And um, 
there was one guy I'd see. I'd, I'd see a couple of people from the neighborhood. And one guy was a junkie. When I'd see him, he'd say, look, man, you don't say hello to me here. Like, you know, I'm working. <laughs> I mean, well, he would never say hello to me there. Right, right. He would say, but when I'd see him in the neighborhood, Good he goes, when here. you see me in Times Square, don't. I'm hustling. Yeah. Like, that's my job. Right. Like, just stay away from me. Got I'll, it, yeah. And then there was another guy, him and his girlfriend did live sex shows. And I remember he brought me, might have been Show World, and he brought me in there. And we were hanging out with, you know, the other live sex show performers. And they were talking in like lingo, like, mm -hmm. you know, like wrestling lingo, like their own version of Carney. And I was feeling very satisfied, like, wow, I'm fucking in with yeah, these people. I'm you in know, the green he's in the language. Hey, money shot. Yeah. I, I could say that stuff, too. And they're yeah. not even. You see, uh, the difference between that and the wrestling business, in the wrestling business, they would say to you. Who gave you the right to say money shot? That's not your word. Right, right. You're not a word. It's like in comedy when certain comics sit on the stool and certain comics don't and some comics say like... Is there a rule about that? There is an unspoken thing that like you have to have a certain amount of time doing comedy to like... To how, sit on the stool. Like how dare you get... A, you open mic or sitting on the stool. Like fuck you. Like that's a thing. That's a thing? It's a thing. Like so, Big J Okerson can sit on the stool. But you see that regardless of whatever the diversion is, mm -hmm. there's always these tribal codes. Yes, always. Uh, it's 7.20. I got to go to my oh, next Oh, it is 7.20, and we are actually all out of time. So I wish we had time oh. for more porn. <laughs> Keith, we are going to have you back because you are a wealth you of great, knowledge. You have great stories. You have and, – and such a diverse – uh, uh, knowledge like I actually I would love to do an episode on 70s Times Square 70s sex work yeah 70s sex work and murders and things yes. yeah how do you feel about that well there was quite a bit of it and look <laughs> it's the missing missing I didn't make this up uh huh you know you have people who are sex workers there they're called the less dead you're right you yeah. know and folks aren't necessarily looking for them nope. so it's easy to prey yep. upon sex that's workers. a common theme and, uh, you know you would hope that in this day and age Sex workers have a louder voice, but I have the impression they do not. The Long Island serial killer, same right. shit. Yeah, and same he's shit. still a loose. He's yep. still on the loose. Oh, that's a whole other episode. Lisk, Lisk. Yeah. We'll see you next week, guys. Remember to take a stroll down Production Avenue. Use our code Alien Murder Sex six six six. Get ten percent off at checkout. Check out Keith's book. Follow the buzzards. You're all awesome. Bye. 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 <laughs>